we're gonna disrupt the entire logistic industry. But you have to understand, no matter how full you are, there's always room for a beer. Everybody in our daily life, we have a lot of extra resources in terms of time and space that's not being utilized. This concept is what I call convenience assistance service. Now, take a look at Ming <laughs> Welcome to the Hackanoon Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Lipinski. In this episode, we sit down with Ralph Luke. He's an investment banker and the CEO and founder of MuleChain. In this episode, we discuss what he's working on, which is a decentralized peer-to-peer network to be able to do supply chain management and deliveries. If you don't know about blockchain or how it can be applied to supply chain management and what some of the other use cases are for blockchain, this is a great episode, so stay tuned. Hey, Ralph, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Could you please give us a bit of an intro and tell us about yourself and what you're working on? Thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, my name is Ralph Liu. I'm the founder and CEO of MuChain. And uh, MuChain is a global P2P decentralized platform for personal delivery and uh, warehouse services on the blockchain for the people, by the people. Can you tell us a bit about why you're focusing on supply chain management for your blockchain project? Very interesting question, Trent. I myself has been a Wall Street trader out of business school and then being a career banker, a senior structured derivative banker, eventually the investment banking, capital markets. And uh, all my career as a derivative banker, our job is just for financial innovation. So I've been quite involved in designing, structuring a lot of financial products throughout my career. So since I came back in uh, Southern California, I've been quite involved with a series of financial innovation in the real estate area. So initially it's real estate derivative. And then later on, we have to dumb it down, dumb it down so that we can become successful in the consumer market. So right before this, uh, we were working on co-ownership for real estate. And uh, later on, we extended to co-ownership for yachts, for artwork, for everything. So I myself have been in the state of mind of a sharing economy for on and off up to almost 10 years now. So all the previous projects that were worked on, it's really just financial fintech or prop tech. What happened to this mutual chain idea? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the closest one is the previous one. It's called We Home Owners. So in that venture, even if you look at the website today, we already give people the free delivery in the community. That's a totally different venture. But that predecessor is already built into that community platform. So we're all about building community and providing new type of sharing services. Now, what happened to MuChain? <laughs> that will bring us back to the Christmas party last year. So I have a, you know executive suite office right in uh, Newport Beach. So then uh, during the Christmas party, what do people talk about these days? Trading cryptos mm-hmm. and blockchains. So I met this person. He's in the logistic industry. He's basically just a, a mover, you know, have a moving company. So other than talking about trading Ether and Bitcoins, then I was telling him, the blockchain, the technology beneath that, that will disrupt every single existing industry 
a lot of business opportunity. So through that time, people always say, you know, you learn most when you're trying to teach somebody something. So spending a whole evening having that conversation on the way home, I was driving. The whole idea of how to apply the blockchain technology the advantage of the blockchain technology to the sharing economy on the logistics. So that whole thing just came to my mind. And I myself have zero background confidence, well, the experience in the delivery area. So since then, just a night and day for the following week, I spent all the time trying to figure out, well, we can really provide this on the P2P basis in the decentralized platform and let everybody to share it. So I was trying to come up with a name for it. Then I found out once we build a platform, we can apply to not just the P2P, P2P, here, or you call it person to person, you can use the same platform for the B2B. So we could disrupt the courier industry, the messenger industry, or we can disrupt the trucking industry, the ocean liners, the air cargo. There's no limit to what we can do. But should I call ourselves a courier chain, a trucking chain? Mm-hmm ocean liner chain, our cargo chain, everything's too limiting. Mm. So I spent a whole week trying to design the business plan. Then I found out what I want is the most generic platform. <laughs> and then I decided that I have to make this a decentralized platform to really utilize this opportunity to show people other than the big corporate giants in this world, human can benefit from what the, the blockchain technology have provided us. That's a decentralization. That's how the new chain came about. Hey, you got a great tech story you want to get published? Maybe something about bots taking over Twitter or how Bitcoin actually works? Or maybe you just have a story about how to build a great software, a great team. Get your expertise published on Hacker Noon. Email us stories at hackernoon.com and a real human will review your submission. You know, the, the key thing here is the, the benefits of decentralization. So what are some of those benefits that you see and how that can benefit people? Mm-hmm. So let me first give you a little background about what we do. Then we'll lead to that decentralization, the power of decentralization. Basically, we have three types of business, three parts. The first part is what we call the cross-border mule or the intercity mules business. That business, by the way, is totally white space with zero competition. So the best example... Let's say just based on where you are. Uh, are you based in San Francisco? I'm in San Francisco, correct, yeah. So let's say you're flying to London next week. You are already a member of a platform. You own our MCX token. Somebody gonna approach you on a P2P basis directly. They say, Trent, can you bring this jacket to my daughter? She's studying in a university in London. If you do, I'll pay you a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Once you agree, you will be the mule on a platform. You will be the namesake. <laughs> yeah. So that's where we started from. Now. If you look at it, the potential, you can literally make every traveler in the world to become a mule, to make some money for themselves on our platform. So therefore, I keep saying, working for yourself instead of working for mule chain. Nobody works for mule chain. So mm-hmm. that's the first step, okay? That's what we call cross-border mule, intercity mule business. Second part, once we have the platform, we can go into that last mile of the e-commerce business. If you look at the e-commerce giants, you know, they have currently, they're all controlled by the central centralized corporate giants, UPS, FedEx, including Amazon themselves. In the future, let's say in New York City or London or San Francisco, there's no way, no matter how big the corporate giants grow, they can never set up a big warehouse at every single street corner. But at that street corner, there could be hundreds, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, individual mule working for themselves. If you say somebody has just ordered something, they click a button. If they use FedEx and UPS, you can get delivered next day. 
they charge you 30 bucks. Then there's a lot of me who's going to say, hey, they raise your hand. I can give it to you in the next one hour. I only charge you $10. How? Because these people, they just walk down their apartment block, you know, walk mm -hmm. two, three blocks and hand deliver that thing to you in your apartment. But these people, they have no overhead cost. All they need just their legs, their hard work. So that's a very good example, how the decentralization to take everybody in this world, you know, to become a mule to begin with. Now that part is only just one half of our business. The other half is what we call the pack station business. The pack station is just a uh, temporary warehousing. You know, if somebody needs to drop off and then somebody else, let's say a sender, a requester, drop off the jacket. They don't want to meet you in person. So they can simply just to walk up, you know, one floor or maybe in the same building or the local gas station or local restaurant to drop it off. Then uh, they will inform you it's drop off in that pack, particular pack station. You as a mule go there next day at your convenience, pick it up, fly to London, deliver to his daughter directly, or you can drop off at another pack station. So this is between the mule and the pack station. We're going to disrupt the entire logistic industry. But you have to understand the power synergy between the mule and the pack station business. So this is the second part. The third part, that will go back to the conventional, you know, courier business, messenger business. In New York City, you have a lot of attorney. They got those messengers on their bicycle and zooming throughout the New York City. Then you have people want to deliver just your food delivery, you know, for lunch or something like that. The part two, that last mile e-commerce delivery. Delivery. In the part three, these are all old established business monopolized by the centralized corporate giants. So the third part is probably the oldest, you know, I always call it a second oldest profession. Since the Neanderthal came out of the cave, they already have that kind of service. So therefore, as you understand, the three parts of business, now I can explain to you why the decentralization is the only hope. Now everybody look at Amazon as invincible. They just surpassed one trillion dollars. Mm -hmm. Who else can beat them in the future? Let me tell you, that will be the independent mules and pack station owners. So to illustrate this concept, I watched one of the, the uh, Facebook posting. Once I saw it, I just said, bingo, this is what I need to explain to the people. Yeah. So in that posting, there's a professor. He's taken out a glass jar on the table in front of a whole room of students. He started filling the glass jar with rocks until it touches the brim of the glass jar. So he asked the students, is the glass jar full? The students say, professor, yeah. Yes, it looks full. Then the professor takes off a bag of gravel and sand, started putting the same glass jar. So he asks the student the same question again. Do you think the glass jar is full? The students say, wow, it looks fuller now. So then the professor takes off a bottle of beer, started to pouring the beer into the same glass jar until it touches the brim again. <laughs> so I ask the student the same question. That's how the students started to sense there got to be a message here. I love this story. So now how do you apply that into the power of decentralization? Because in the future, it is going to be the independent mule. No matter how big the centralized corporate giant is going to grow, they are the rocks in the glass jar. No matter how big you are, you're going to have the crevice. You've got a room for the small player, which are the sand, the gravels. Isn't that the perfect illustration? Definitely. I mean, and it's such a traditional business model that you're, you're looking at here. And it sounds like you're creating a cryptocurrency around this to be able to be the platform of transaction for being able to do these kinds of transactions. Can you talk a little bit about your token and your cryptocurrency and you know what blockchain you're using and kind of go into the tech a little bit? Okay, but before I let you go, <laughs> I'm going to add the one more point to the previous story. So the student's going to ask the professor, what is the beer for? <laughs> now the professor says, no matter how full you are, there's always room for a beer. <laughs> now coming back to your question, as you can see, we're going to use your own token. 
I get dragged in, you know, because I told you previously, I was working on the fractional share for real estate business. That's why I've been involved in the sharing economy for over 10 years and try to create the best way. However, that was pre the tokenization cryptocurrency. So we had a hard time because before the tokenization, what you can do is a securitization to accomplish the fractional share idea. But once the tokenization started by nature, the fractional share. <laughs> so that's where I get, you know, drawn back into this thing. I pick up where I left off to the previous venture. So therefore, the tokenization that provide a lot of value, you know, I myself, I'm still a licensed investment banker by training. And if you look at the only thing that we do is a securitization before the tokenization. However, what happened within the last couple of years with the ICO, with the tokenization, is really just putting the rock out of the feet of a lot of, uh, you know, professional on Wall Street. And not only they become so easy for fundraising, but for the first time, they can combine your potential customer with your potential investors. It's a new type of ecosystem system. So I have to say, you know, when we first heard about it, because we've been in this old line of business for a long time, everybody study, spend a lot of time getting licensed and everything. All of a sudden, you got a lot of young hackers, you know, <laughs> rock out of your feet. So you can see a lot of the older people trying to resist to it. But it didn't take me long. I sort of I decided that the best way to beat them is to join them. We have to do it the correct way with our experience, with our knowledge. And previously, people rushed to it without regulation. So that would never happen. How can you imagine somebody to say, hey, I sit in some classes in the medical school. I know the knowledge already. I don't want any licensing. You know, I want to open door as a doctor. <laughs> yeah. How long do you think it's going to last? So therefore, I got drawn into this business back in 2017 and trying to catch up. You know, with this, the security background and trading banking background, I decided that we started the whole idea, as I said, in the beginning of the year after the Christmas party, the epiphany moment. Then we assemble a team. And we're trying to duplicate, you know, find out what these people have done in the 2017 style ICO. Then we figure out, you know, by March and April, the writing's on the wall. This thing's not going to last. But there are certain economic value that the ICO or tokenization provide that didn't exist for decades or in the human history. You know? So we need to keep that. But what is the best way to keep that? Yes, you do your complying ICO. You do everything under the regulation. But you try your best, try to keep that economic value of tokenization. So that's the direction we are going. We do have a lot of funding plan, but uh, we're not allowed to really speak in public at this moment but i can talk about just generically what is the concept as far as going forward so to begin with if you look at the business that we have created yes it is very valuable everywhere we go i speak in a lot of conferences throughout the world and we have a lot of people really convinced this is a great concept has a lot of great business value if we are not in this token game, people just say, oh, aren't you just like a Uber for the meal business? But on the pack station business, they say, oh, aren't you just like an Airbnb? But let's focus on this part of the concept first. Our business cannot be farther different from Uber and Airbnb. If you work for Uber, you need to own a car. Yeah. If you work for yourself on the meal chain platform, you see two differences here already. Number one, you work for Uber. Number two, in Uber, you need to own a car. You don't need to own anything. All you need is just a subway token. All you need is just a train ticket, a flight ticket, or your own legs, your bicycle. So any form of public transportation 
will be a money-making tool for people. So let's say the Airbnb is the same thing. If you work for Airbnb, you need to own an apartment. You need to own a house. But if you work for yourself as a pack station owner on our platform, you can use any rented space. You can even just say, hey, my car is here. For today, I'm going to park my car here. Somebody need to drop off. <laughs> you want to pick up later. You can still earn money that way. So there's a lot of freedom that you can do. So this is the first part of the concept. Secondly, if you look at the other type of sharing economy, when the whole sharing economy concept started, there's so many application possibility within this new concept. So let me just name a few. If you look Uber and Lyft, basically they are on-demand service. That's it. They're not decentralized. They're not P&P, uh, P2P. So if you look at the type of thing they provide to the humankind to make human work more efficient, not much. They're simply replacing an existing group of workers with a new group of workers. Do they reduce any fossil fuel burning? Do they save any energy collectively? They don't because they're replacing the taxi cab. But SUV, you're probably burning more fossil fuel. It's actually worse. There's been studies in San Francisco, for example, the Lyft and the Uber drivers. There's an increase in traffic. There's an increase in car accidents. There's an increase in fossil fuels burn. It's actually a less efficient system. Correct, correct. Now, take a look at Chain. <laughs> Hey, yo, you got a great tech story you want to get published? Maybe something about bots taking over Twitter or how Bitcoin actually works? Or maybe you just have a story about how to build a great software, or a great team. Get your expertise published on Hacker Noon. Email us stories at hackernoon.com and a real human will review your submission. Instead of using FedEx, you say, I use UPS. You're doing the same thing. You're not saving any energy. You're still burning even probably even more fossil fuels. But if you say, hey, I want to ask Trent to take this jacket to my daughter over there. Now, come to think about it. You're going to go there anyway. For you to deliver this service, you will save a lot of fossil fuel for this person to go to UPS to get it delivered. Everybody in our daily life, we have a lot of extra resources in terms of time and space that's not being utilized. This concept is what I call, I coined this new term. It's called convenience assistance service. Nobody's spending more money, more resources trying to deliver the service. So this is, you can call it an anyway service. You're going to travel there anyway. You've got a little bit extra space in your luggage. If you can use that space to help another person to deliver something, collectively think about how much energy we're going to save for this world, how much less fossil fuel or carbon footprint we can lower. So these are the stories we haven't even told the Sierra our club members yet. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a major potential for being able to leverage the things that we're already doing. I saw actually on your medium, you've written a, quite a bit about this and you've kind of written about how we're going to, into a new phase of kind of job creation that needs to happen to kind of create this new economy. Can you kind yeah. of talk a little bit about that? So this is a, you know, exactly the point about it. As you can see, the mule, we're turning every traveler in this world to be able to make some actual income for themselves. Or some people can actually make a living. This part of the concept is like eBay first started. People can only say, oh, you're a buyer or a seller. It's like individual to individual. But before long, a lot of people use the platform to set up their own small business. They will brand themselves. You know, they start their selling business. Or like Alibaba became a T-Mall. So by the same token, the MailChain platform in the future, it is a platform business we're creating. Under the ecosystem, you're not going to just have initially, as we're doing now, individual mules. Pretty soon, you're going to have a mule chain operator. 
I'm sorry, mule train operator. It's like in the old days, not just one single mule. You will have a series, a train of five mules, they call a pack train, to deliver a luggage. So therefore, in the future, you will have business to set up shop on the platform. You can set up a trucking company. You can say, I'm a very smart kid. I just invented another type of drone, super powerful, flexible, in my garage. But I don't have the resources to beat the Amazon and all that. You can come to the platform. You can do business immediately. So these are the technology innovation or the type of services. That's where MuChain, the centralized platform itself, will not get involved. We will only provide the facility, the platform, the convenience to help any entrepreneurs to bring themselves as a more superior mule to the other mule, or they can set up the mule train operator as a business on the platform. So therefore, from the traveler perspective, as you can see, even when we're doing just an individual person, think about the entire world's airline crew, the pilots, the flight attendants, you know, they're complaining every day they get such a low wage wages, you know. <laughs> but if they do it correctly legally, they can actually providing the actual resources in their daily life, helping somebody. Therefore, that's the most immediate area. You know, many of them if they do it correctly, chances are they can generate more income than their monthly salary. So the same thing with the pack station owner. You know, if you say all the travelers, they're probably more affluent and they could be a frequent business traveler or the airline crew. So that's why I often say, you know, the mule business are most likely Republicans. But think about the pack station owner. We call the most likely they're Democrats. Why? Think about the entire world's senior citizen. Think about those handicapped people. Those people, they can never go out to get a job. We give them another opportunity to generate income stream. We bring dignity back to their life. Even if you're grandparents, you're sitting at home, you're not doing anything. So if you can actually open your door, you can reject any heavy duty, you know, kind of weird type of delivery. You say, I only take something that I like. It's all your own freedom, P2P. We don't dictate. We don't tell people what to take, what not to take. It's all between the person to person, peer to peer, whatever you want to accept, whatever price you want to take. So that is the power. Not only we turn every child to become a mule, we can take every single person. Either you run a, the gas station, you run a local restaurant, or you're sitting at home doing nothing. So what do you have to do? That's again, that's called an anyway service, convenience assistance service. If you're sitting at home for the next two weeks, when somebody rings the doorbell, you're watching your football game for the next two weeks anyway. You open the doorbell, letting somebody drop off an item, then the next day you do the same thing. You stand up, mm -hmm. open the door, and then you sit, let somebody pick it up. You can make $10 out of it. That's the thing you want to focus. You know, what it comes down to is the blockchain enables all of this by having that ledger and that tracking system to be able to track all of these items. I definitely see the potential of where this can go. Figuring out a way to be able to do what you're trying to accomplish, it's totally doable with blockchain technology. It's just a matter of creating that shift in habit for the actual users. Correct, correct. So to add to your earlier questions in terms of what exactly is the advantage of the blockchain that we're utilizing. You know, blockchain is a public ledger. So because it's public ledger, it's an immutability. You need a consensus of 51% to change any data. Unlike a centralized, you know, corporation owning a relational database, they want to erase it. We want to cook the book anytime they want. That immutability gives us the capability to deter criminal activities. That's the number one. So for this business, try to imagine everybody, I'm sure you own some cryptocurrency account. People always ask you the KYC, you hold your passport, you know, and doing a selfie. Sometimes they want you to put another paper, write the date and your name. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of humiliating, right? <laughs> but everybody has to do that. So try to imagine if you are El Chapo, you are the Pablo Escobar. 
if you really want to do trafficking or drug, would you be willing to do go through that process? Get your passport, your face capture, so that the FBI, the Interpol, you know, everybody else in the world can see you. Then what's more is your transaction. Every single transaction being captured there. Nobody can erase it. So you've got to be a very stupid criminal to be willing to come on mute chain to do this. Yeah. You have your dark web, you know, where you belong, you know? <laughs> Well, so you can build reputation into this and have that social proof. So you can see, yes. hey, this person's successfully delivered over a thousand items. And maybe you're willing to pay a little extra for the guy who's delivered a thousand items versus That's the guy right. who's only delivered five. Hey, oh, you got a great tech story you want to get published? Maybe something about bots taking over Twitter or how Bitcoin actually works? Or maybe you just have a story about how to build a great software, a great team. Get your expertise published on Hacker Noon. Email us, stories at hackernoon.com, and a real human will review your submission. This is the Hacker Noon podcast. So do you have an example or any time in your life where you've hacked something um, or you've got a life hack or something that you've hacked in your life or something you've done for your businesses? Very, very good question, Trent. <laughs> And as I was telling you, you know, the moments that I'm proud of are all my epiphany moments. Being a financial derivative bankers, you know, all, my whole life is inventing new invention, come up with that, uh, you know, eureka moment, you know, either eureka or epiphany moments, they are different. Mm -hmm. So since we're talking about Mew Chain, I have to tell you this, I only came up with the idea of the Mew business in the Christmas party last year. But it didn't come until March. Being an investment banker, I've seen a lot of deal flow. And uh, I watched Shark Tank on TV as well. <laughs> Before this whole pack station idea came about, we already know if we need to capture that business in the airline crew, what if we can get some sort of relay point, which really getting close to that drop-off pickup concept. But that whole pack station idea didn't come about until you know I watched some episode in the Shark Tank, knowing some of the other business. Again, they're running very different from us. They're just another, you know, centralized corporation want to be, mm -hmm. a unicorn want to be, but they're still running as a centralized corporation. So people will actually rent out just boxes, you know, the multifamily building in New York City. They claim, oh, you don't have a doorman, then we do this. By the way, you know, I only just heard about all this idea, so I don't even know their name anymore. But this is where that epiphany moment came to me about the pack station, because I told you before that 10 years, over the last 10 years, my mind is just a state of mind of sharing economy. And I found out, bingo, this is the solution that we need. The pack station. Then when I was doing the name search, that's how the pack station name was incorporated into it. Then I want to just do on the P2P basis. Instead of just setting up your own boxes and not getting another company to run the business of drop off and pick up. God, I turn everybody sitting at home to run your own business on the platform. That's the epiphany moment. That's where my biggest hack <laughs> for Mule Chain. Because without the pack station, the Mule business will not be as successful. But if you combine them, it's not one plus one equal two. Yeah. They equals much more. Because with the pack station, we can do the relay. We can actually, you know, do a most efficient route throughout the world to do a delivery. As long as we have a lot of pack station all over the world, even in the same city. You will find out what's the most efficient way, the least costly way for a requester to send an item. Now, by the way, that brings up to another concept. So when we first started, yes, I brought in a lot of people as a team member. You know, along the way, a lot of people also making a recommendation. So they say, oh, why don't you use a RF scanner using a QR code, using AI, using an IoT, blah, blah, blah. That all sounds good. But the thing is what we want to stick to. And uh, I've decided that I just want a decentralized platform. All these new technology, we will let other more superior entrepreneurs 
entrepreneur to make a living for themselves, making money for themselves to prosper on our platform. But our platform will not shut the door for those handicapped people, senior citizens sitting at home. They don't want other fancy technology other than just a cell phone to take a picture as a proof. That's a role we want to be. Because if I want to step into the toes, I want to develop the AI, figure out the best routes, you know, figure out the least costway route. Some service we can provide, but that's not going to be how we make money. I want to give the opportunity to other members on the platform to do that. We want to stick true to the decentralized platform. That is the only way for me, I feel I can reach out to more than 90% of the world's population. If I design another super powerful drone, if I doing another thing, become another centralized corporate giant, at most, I'm going to reach out to less than 10% of the world's population. But our goal is not to make money. It's to really bring the services. Think about it. Country in Kenya, in Cambodia, in Brazil, in a lot of the ex the uh, Soviet bloc countries, they don't have an efficient delivery system, not even a postal system. There are many, many opportunities. People need this service. So we don't need another centralized corporation. We don't need the government to run the delivery business anymore. So that's why we want to just stay true to a decentralized platform. Since day one, yes, we're not going to make a lot of money, but we want to stick to just a 3% for every single fee that the meal and pack station owner owns. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Well, see, that's what I want to focus on. It's just like many people that I speak to in the conference, you know, people really agree. Why don't you turn this opportunity to become a movement to really help human work more efficiently? Collectively, we can really save a lot of global energy waste. So these are all the directions we're going after. So we don't want it just to be viewed as another startup commercial opportunity to make money out of blockchain. I want to bring to your audience that blockchain can indeed do human good. And where can people find you? Right now, I would say the centralized location, just our website. That's a mule chain, M-U-L-E-C-H-A-I-N.com. Or the pre-launch charter member, the mobile download, it's going to be available pretty soon. But if you go to the website, you will see all the information there. So if you leave your email there, you'll become one of the charter members for mule chain that come along with certain advantage as well, of course. Well, thank you, Ralph, for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. You're definitely working on some world-changing tech, and I definitely see the potential in creating a system for being able to go after one of the oldest business models in the world, decentralizing that in a way that makes sense. It's kind of a shame that deliveries and all these systems that we have today have been so centralized to the point where it has cut the normal person out of it. You know, it doesn't have to be that complicated. There is potential for using blockchain to be able to solve this problem and to enable normal people to be able to interact with each other, to be able to solve these problems and then monetize it. There you go. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you, Chant. This concludes another episode of the Hacker Noon Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Lipinski. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube and follow us on social media. You can also find us at hackernoon.com and podcast.hackernoon.com for more episodes. Thank you for listening.